And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Welcome back to Straight from the Source. Michael Russo coming to you late Thursday night here in San Jose, Friday morning, early Friday morning where you are. You're all probably sound asleep after the Wilds 5-2 victory tonight over the San Jose Sharks. Eight wins in a row, a nine-game point streak, 8-0-1 in its last nine. And the Minnesota Wild are the top team in the National Hockey League, number one atop the standings. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But my guest today, Bruce Boudreaux, uh, the former Wild coach, now with the Vancouver Canucks. He's 2-0 as the Canucks coach. And uh, we have a fun conversation about uh, um, everything from um, everything that's going on in Vancouver, how he got the job, Jim Rutherford being named president, Thatcher Demko in net, how good Quinn Hughes is, the red hot, suddenly Brock Besser with two goals and two games under Boudreaux, JT Miller getting Elias Pettersson going. And then we talk a lot of stories uh, on the podcast. I think Canucks fans, um, that Wild fans are probably uh, knowledgeable about, but Canucks fans will, will uh, get a out of as well and then of course we talk about the wild and um, a look back at his tenure there and what went wrong down the stretch but also how good the wild are uh, this season and he had a lot of really complimentary things to say about uh, how big this team is how deep this team is how fast this team is and how good this team is and how well coached this team is he actually says on there so a uh, pretty fun conversation with Bruce Boudreaux but how about this his old team right now again on top of the league Kevin Fiala gets going tonight with a goal and an assist for First goal in seven or eight games for Fiala, and then a beautiful assist on a Jordan Greenway power play.
play goal that turned out to be the game-winning goal. It was Jordan Greenway's first career power play goal. As you know, he has not gotten a lot of power play time in his career, uh, but rewarded for how well he's been playing lately. And uh, of course, with Freddie Goudreau um, out, Victor Rask at first got looks on the power play, but now Jordan Greenway is getting rewarded there. Jordan's been outstanding on the penalty kill lately, just great sticks. He was had a great stick again tonight on the first of two kills the Wild needed in the third period. They only got one of them, and it became a tense finish, but he was awesome and then just scores the great power play goal and one of the nicest empty net goals you'll ever see where he outmuscles Brent Burns, um, outraces and hustles Brent Burns to the puck and then outmuscles him for the empty net goal that put the game away, made it 4-2 before Karel Karisov scored an empty net goal to give him two points on the night. He now has a career-high seven-game point streak and 20 points in his last 11 games. It's tops in the league since November 18th. Yule Eriksnack, his sixth power play goal that's tied for third in the NHL um, as well. Uh, so really, really quality uh, hockey uh, by a lot of these guys right now. Um, Matt Zugrella put that on a platter for him, just like Kevin Fiala did on the uh, first goal uh, for Greenway. And uh, Fiala joked on his goal that he just, the way things have been going for him lately, that he expected half expected that puck to just uh, hop right over his stick. Um, but what I wrote about today in my gamer that I, you know, some Wild fans might roll their eyes about, but I just find it really fascinating. So 10 years ago to the day, I mean, this is crazy. December 10th, 2020, 2011. That's Mike Yo's first season, which first of all, in, a, in its own right, is crazy. That 10 years ago was Mike Yo's first year as the wild coach. Uh, and, and really, he hasn't aged at all. Um, so 10 years ago, the wild wake up on December 10th, 2021, and they are the top team in the NHL. They were 27 and three. So top team in the NHL, 20 wins out of 30 games. All the insiders a couple games before in San Jose, they're at the, covering the Board of Governors meetings, the Craig Custances, the Pierre Lebruns. They come to San Jose to write these glowing features on the wild because they were playing so well. So then they turn that five-game winning streak after a 2-1 win over San Jose to a seven-game winning streak in Arizona on December 10th, 2020, 2011. They wound up winning 15 of their final 52 games and didn't make the playoffs. So the reason why that is just so crazy is that here we are in San Jose again. Wild win its eighth in a row. That was seven in a row. We're in, the Board of Governors are going on right now, but that's in actually Palm Beach, not Pebble Beach. But here the Wild are on top of the league with 16 wins out of 26. And I just found the, oh, excuse me, 19 wins out of 26. And I just found the parallel fascinating uh, 10 years to the day that they were tops in the league. The difference now, that team fell apart. And I, if this team remains healthy, and I will say what happened to that team is they got bang, 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 bunch of guys injured. Matt Cullen got hurt. Andrew Burnett got hurt. A bunch of guys got hurt in the next little bit. But if this team stays healthy, this team is deep. This team is balanced. This team is getting great goaltending right now. Cam Talbot leads the league with 15 wins. Um, they're getting goals up and down their lineup. I mean, Hartman, Eric Snack, or Felino score every single night. Kaprizov's on fire. Now if they can get Fiala going. Uh, tonight, Mason Shaw makes his NHL debut. Looked Didn't look out of place at all. Rem Pitlick had scratched. I think that got the attention of guys like Brandon Duhame and Nico Sturm and Nick Bukestad, the other three potential candidates to get scratched. If Victor Rask isn't the guy taken out of the lineup when Goudreau gets back. And the reason why there is because, you know, Rask is playing really well right now. And he's been outstanding. This, uh, you know, he was great in Edmonton the other night, huge third period. Not only the big goal, but makes the, you know, basically gets the third assist on the, on the Dmitry Kulikov breakaway goal. 
by making such a great play in the defensive zone. So all of a sudden, you don't take Rask out tonight for Mason Shaw's NHL debut. You take Rem Pillick, who's been pretty good for this team. And I think that wakes up guys like Duham, Sturm, and Bukestad, who are all really good uh, tonight and don't want to be the next guy taken out of the lineup because they all know Goudreau's coming back, and we all know Goudreau's coming back in the lineup because he's Dean Evison's boy. So... Um, you know, I, I just think this team is rolling right now. Then you, you know, you're expecting coming to the rink today that Jordy Ben is going to be taken out of the lineup. Ben winds up playing because Matt Dumb is sick. Jared Spurgeon comes in. The team's seven zero on one without Spurgeon. He comes in. He doesn't miss a beat next to Jonas Brodin tonight. Uh, just man, it, it's just it, every night. It's it's just something that this team is playing well. They score a ton of goals. They're starting to defend much better. Guys like Eric Snack have drawn a league leading eighteen penalties. Their power play is starting to click. Um, it's just been really impressive stuff. So this team is just so deep and balanced that I don't see them going belly up like that, say, 2011-2012 Minnesota Wild team that had, you know, the Cody Almonds of the world on the roster and and people like that. So um, I I hyperlinked what the Wild roster looked like in 2011 in my game story, so hopefully everybody reads that. Um, But again, a really fun conversation with Bruce Boudreaux. Really, really honored that he would join me. Um, you know, I just imagine how his head is spinning, just you know, all of a sudden waking up one day, finding out you're the Vancouver Canucks coach and, you know, getting on a private plane, landing in Vancouver, you're coaching your next, your basically your first day in Vancouver, you're coaching your first game, then you, you don't have time to breathe. And somehow he gives me an hour today to do another edition of Bruso Radio. Uh, he's a returning champion on this podcast. The fans seem to so far love him in uh, Vancouver. The, the hilarious Bruce, there it is. Uh, chant that went on during his NHL deb- during his uh, Canucks debut in the third period during that shutout win by Thatcher Demko, and then the next night it it happened again, and uh, and so it's been pretty cool. Which uh, I think Jeff, our producer, is about to play that for you. Um, before we get to Bruce, here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And as mentioned, uh, just really, really honored to be joined by Bruce Boudreaux, especially, I mean, everybody knows how tight Bruce and I are, but for him to be as swamped as he is right now and make this uh, uh, trek over to Vancouver and get used to a new team and uproot his life and try to find places to live and all that stuff uh, to join uh, so quick after the, his tenure started in Vancouver, really, really, uh, you know, honored that he'd do this and Bruce, uh, you are universally loved. I mean, that was the one thing that I learned the day that you were you were hired in Vancouver. Um, nobody has a bad thing to say about you, even on Twitter, and everybody has something bad to say on Twitter. 
Uh, have you checked Fenton Fenton's uh, uh, Twitter account yet? <laughs> yeah. All right. One person might not have something nice to say. Uh, about okay. You, but, uh, just, just, just taken. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, hey Bruce. Uh, you know, congratulations. First of all, fifth coach in Canucks history to start off two and zero. Um, and couple, uh, one goal in two games. Pretty, pretty good. Well, you know what, when your goaltender is really good and I had no idea that, uh, uh, Demko was as good as he is, but he has been so solid in that. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a refreshing, um, uh, change to see a goalie this good play for you. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, we know, and and nobody wants to throw shade on on your previous goalies because obviously they did a gr- you know great job for part of your time in in Minnesota. But absolutely, you know, there, yeah, there's no doubt, Bruce, that your last year in Minnesota, really your last two years in Minnesota, you guys defended as well as anybody in the league, and yet you just your save percentage wasn't very good, and it's hard to win games like that, as you've always said to me. Good goalies make good coaches. And I, I believe that for sure. Um, but uh, uh, the, the one thing that I brought with me, Mike, I think is is the ideal that uh, if we play the way we played, um, uh, we, we will be successful uh, defensively. And hopefully that continues. Uh, Bruce, it was, it was uh, you know, fun watching your first couple press conferences in Minnesota. I watched uh, both your uh, post-game ones and your pre-game one where you were wearing the Blue Ox shirt. Actually, I think that was your practice one in between. Uh, Blue Ox, as uh, Canucks fans will learn, uh, Bruce owns a couple of uh, junior teams uh, in the, uh, it's the N, uh, the NPHL, US, right? No, USPHL. USPHL, yes. Mm. Right. One in Hershey, one in, uh, in one Minnesota. In, Right. Uh, mm. br- uh, obviously, Crystal runs the show for these uh, teams, but but Brady, your 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 son owns actually a piece of the Hershey team, right? Yeah, he owns a piece of the team. Uh, uh, coaches, he coaches the team, uh, or one of the two coaches that that are on the team, and Crystal runs the show like she runs the show at home. So again, this is an addition of Bruso Radio. Bruso Radio was something that I coined when he, when Bruce was in Minnesota because we used to do these state fair shows, and this year we actually did one remotely, uh, Bruce. And the first ever The Athletic Straight from the Source podcast actually happened from your basement in Woodbury, Minnesota. Wow. I, I, yeah, now that I recall, <laughs> I, remember, I remember we did one early. I didn't know it was the first one, but that's great. Yep. Yeah, mm. first one. So I uh, really appreciate you coming back on. Uh, Bruce Boudreau, the GIF Meister, as everybody knows on Twitter as well. Uh, there's a l- library of uh, GIFs that Bruce is a part of. Uh, the funniest one, Bruce, the one where you know you say the F-bomb and the word darn flashes on the screen. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know how that follows me. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I get excited and uh, he, that seems to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> But, uh, and not uh, and not darn in, though. In, no, in normal life, I don't swear that often. But uh, <laughs> you get me around a hockey rink, and everything changes. No doubt, it's like being in a press box. Uh, mm. Everybody, every time I apologize for my language, I'm like, uh, "Forgive me, I'm a sports writer." So, Bruce, uh, let's get started here. Um, you, you know, gr- quite a day to have you on, obviously. Uh, big news that just comes out is that Jim Rutherford is named the president of the Vancouver Canucks um, and the interim general manager. The, the thought out there by the insiders is that Jimmy's job is going to be to hire a GM that he could help mold and mentor and things like that. And you have a long history with Jim Rutherford, so you have to be very, very excited. Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, I think... Um uh, before I'd ever taken uh, any job, I didn't know George McPhee. 
I, I knew Bob Murray was the only one. I didn't know Chuck Fletcher. Um, but to know Jim for the last 45 years is, uh, is great. Uh, you know, every time we played Pittsburgh, uh, he would come over and say hello. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting reacquainted with him. And uh, I mean, the guy is one smart cookie. So, I mean, if, if anybody can build a franchise, I'm pretty sure it's Jim. Yep, and I've been tight with him a long, long time, dating back to the time that he was running the Carolina Hurricanes, and his parents lived down in Delray Beach, Florida, so I got to know him in the 90s, uh, just a fabulous, uh, fabulous man, and one of the funniest things, uh, Bruce, that I always get a kick out of is that when the Wild would go to Pittsburgh, he would come down there with his son and say hello to you, and you do have a history with him. Do, do, tell, tell Canucks fans and National Hockey League fans everywhere what your history started as well with Jim the, Rutherford. The, the um uh the my first my first nhl goal and i got a big picture in the house of it uh, happens to be on against jim rutherford when he was playing with detroit um i don't know i can't remember but it might have been uh the first goal or the sixth goal in a six nothing game that he played <laughs> in and it was a breakaway and i went top, top shelf on him and a week later he was traded uh, but the first time I met him was we both had the same agent, Alan Eagleson, and we both went mm. into the to the office at the same time. And we had a good conversation that day. And he was like, I mean, we just sort of got to know each other. It was really good. Do you think the final straw for him was giving up that goal to you? <laughs> no, no. I, 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 have, I think, look, at if you can think back to 1976, Detroit was in a state of <laughs> flux back then. And, uh, uh, and trades were made so much easier back then. I mean, because there was no salary cap and um, uh, teams just either wanted to shed the money and get away from it or rebuild. It was, it was happening all the time. But I mean, uh, I don't know how long. I think I probably... Uh, when Jim got there, I got uh, sent down about a month later. So, I mean, uh, we weren't, <laughs> weren't teammates for very long, but uh, hopefully it was uh, a lasting um, relationship. Uh, uh, if you think 76, that's, you know, 45 years ago. So it's been, it's been a long time and we still uh, still say hi to each other every time we've seen each other. Yep, no doubt about it. Um, well, Bruce, let me ask you, just what's this last uh, week been like for you? It, it had to be absolutely uh you know just crazy i just uh, uh you know it, it's not like hershey and vancouver are a minute apart so just no. to get that call and parachute in so quickly to coach your first game it's uh it's been like uh, you know i've seen a lot in, in hockey in all my days but i mean uh i was just you know doing the NHL network and coming home, sitting on the couch, watching hockey games. And uh, this last week when it happened, I was at a Christmas party on Saturday night and uh, the owner called me and, um, and asked me if I was interested in the job type thing. And, um, and I said, absolutely. And uh, uh, he said, okay, I just want to know if you're interested in, in all of those things. And, and we'll be in touch uh, after the week weekend and i said i just went back to the party and said wow that was really neat i just talked to the owner of the vancouver canucks um and, and you know you never know you hear rumors and everything about a lot of jobs but i mean uh, i i just went on saying it's always nice to be thought of yeah. and then i got a call the next day at about 12 o'clock in the afternoon and said um uh, uh bruce uh, pack your bags you're coming to vancouver and uh, <laughs> 
and, and it was sort of freaking me out. I mean, I had just got my PCR test to go to Canada because I was well, I was packed and ready to go to Russia and um, with Team Canada. And so this happens. And um, I've got three. He says, I'm going to send a plane for you. Be ready by 3.30. So that's three and a half hours I had. And then Crystal uh, wanted to come. My wife wanted to come at least for the first week and see the lay of the land. And so she had to go find a place to get a PCR test, come back. We had to pack all our stuff because it's not like we're going next door, like you said. So, I mean, uh, all of that happened. And then we got on the plane at 3.30. And we land in Toronto at about 4.15. And then I got a four and a half hour flight with me, my wife, and the owner, and who I've never met. And I, he's just... <laughs> asking questions and your nervousness all get out but it was a great trip a fabulous plane and you get off and 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 you're going wow you, you just start thinking about all the times you've read where somebody sent a plane to pick you up and you just think it's with stars and uh whether it's and and i said that's a really neat experience and I, and it, it was a really neat experience and um uh, you know what you can you can go and sign in Minnesota and you can do Anaheim and Washington, but until you get into a real big Canadian market and you see the next day how many uh, actual media people are there, it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Hey, you know what this whole thing reminded me of? I don't, I don't know if you remember when you went for the wild job and you were in Ottawa at the airport where I think you accepted the wild job after meeting with the Ottawa senators and then you get on a plan, no Wi-Fi, you fly back to California and didn't like the second you landed, your phone just exploded because word came out while you're on the air. Yeah. In the air that, that you were coming to Minnesota. And and you know what I had about um, that, that time, because everybody's saying, be quiet. Don't let anybody know. Don't let anybody know. And so uh, when I got off the plane and there was about 150 texts, I went, Oh my God, what happened? But you compare that, (laughs) I had at least four to five hundred texts wow. on from Sunday to Monday, and and just you know, I mean, the the social media has grown since the time I signed with the the Wild, but at the, the same time, it was like overwhelming. I still haven't gotten back to at least half of the people that have texted me, which drives me nuts because usually I get right back right away. Um, to to everybody that phones or texts me so it's been it's been a a crazy time yeah it's funny i mean social media just think about like i was just texting with mike yo and his first i was looking back at for some reason at the minnesota wilds first year under him which was 2011 12 and i mean 10 years ago and uh, i texted him like it's amazing how you haven't aged a day since and he's like i've aged about that five years in the last week. Yeah. So, so I can only imagine that's what's going on with you because now you, you parachute into Vancouver, but you really, I'm sure you keep in two eyeballs on the Canucks the last couple of weeks, but, but you've got to learn now a new team and you don't have no time to learn how to coach that game against the LA Kings, you know, your lions, all that type of stuff. It had to be just overwhelming. Well, being a year and a year and a half off, um, and help, but and you're right. I, did, I have been watching the Canucks. Uh, you know, you're watching the Canucks in every Flyer game uh, uh, for the last couple of weeks just to get a lay of the land in case anybody did give you a, a call. But uh, I never realized how important training camp was until mm-hmm. I got here, and where we've played every second day since I got here. And again, it continues through tomorrow and through Saturday um, to do this. And you want. Um, 
you want to put your own stamp on it and, and you try to, uh, you want to change things, but you can only go one step at a time because, as you know, if you throw too much stuff at anybody, they don't get anything. So we're trying to get one thing down and then another thing down. And, uh, uh, and, but I, I will say the players have played so well, um, uh, and with so much energy. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been really fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, obviously that's the, part of it. I'm sure is the natural excitement of a new coach, a fresh, uh, a fresh slate, all that type of stuff. You land in Vancouver, you know, late Sunday night. You have first games mo- Monday. You show up at the rink at about seven a.m. Monday. What was that first meeting like with the players, and 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 could kind of give people an inside glimpse of what your message was to them, but maybe w- some of the things that they said to you. Well, I mean, they're, they're a pretty quiet group as to groups that I've had. I mean, uh, but the message I was, was saying is you got to believe. I mean, if you don't believe a, that you're good, B that you can win and C that you can, you can, uh, this is not a lost year. It'll never happen. So my mm-hmm. job is to make them believe everything. And, uh, I think I'm a pretty, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, upbeat, confident, uh, upbeat, yeah, yeah. confident, uh, um, positive type of guy. And so, and you know, I've said this before when I start talking, I, I half the time, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth next <laughs> because it's not prepared. So, I mean, uh, I think the guys understand I speak from the heart and when you speak from the heart it, it comes out and that was it. It was just, let's go. Uh, everybody's got a clean slate with me. And I always reference it to a, a golf game that if you play your first nine holes and you're horrible, you usually can turn it over and st- and say, okay, let's have a good back nine and you'd forget about the front nine. And I thought this season was very similar to that. And so, I mean, we just started uh, feeding that hope thing into them. And you're only seven points out of a playoff spot, Bruce. So I know you're, I know you well enough to know that you're not going there to just say, all right, we're going to just get a little better. You're going there to make the playoffs. I remember your first press conference in Minnesota. I asked you your expectations and you said to win the division. And I laughed out loud in front of your face. And you never held that against me, by the way. But, uh, (laughs) but I like, I'd never heard a coach actually say, well, we're coming here to win the division in the stack central. Um, but yet I know that you are going to Vancouver saying we're, this is not a lost season. No. And, and you know what, I haven't mentioned anything about playoffs or anything. I mean, I think it's too far away, but what I've mentioned to them is, um, let's just like, you've heard me say many times, win the week, let's have short-term goals. Let's gain a, gain a point a week on our oppositions. And if we do that and you don't look at the standings, you don't look at anything. And then all of a sudden in the middle of January, you'll find that you're right there. So, I mean, just, uh, play hard and, and, and wit- let's be a positive team right now, no matter what has happened before us. And, um, and we'll, we will succeed. And by the way, um, when you said that, uh, when you laughed out <laughs> loud and, you do realize we were 11 points up on the division March 1st. Yes, until, I do until remember we made that. that. That trade, um, <laughs> you know, Marty Hansel. the Marty Hansel deal. But, uh, and then we had a horrible March. I think we we're four and 10 and four, 10 and two or something. And Chicago overtook us, but uh, we were yeah. tied with Washington for the president's trophy at that point. So, you know, anyway, it didn't work out. 
one of the one, yeah seriously uh, you know how big of a Hansel fan I was even when you made the trade I was like what are you doing you know not you uh, I'm saying know, as a, you as an organization mm. but it, it, but coincidentally um, if you remember the one public spat that you and I had uh, was during that playoff run when I uh, in St. Louis when I asked you about that Hansel line and you you got <laughs> pissed off and you walked right off the podium and yeah. I remember I, I remember going upstairs and looking at social media and everybody I thought that like whole I didn't realize how big a like public thing it was and I actually pulled you aside the next day I'm like hey you and I good because you were pissed with me well I mean I was there was two it was a we had just lost game three. Uh, you know, and I mean, uh, in the playoffs in, in a spot where we were so good all year and now we're on the brink. So you're, you're not feeling good. And number two, I was <laughs> trying to check, um, protect Chuck a little bit, uh, in yeah. that. And then probably the main thing. And, uh, uh, I think see in the back of my mind, I, I thought if the, this was going to happen in a, in a presser after game three, I got to show that I'm still defiant and we're, we're still in this thing. Right. So, I mean, you know, you know me, I don't hold a grudge at all. I mean, I, I think I said, yeah, we're absolutely fine the next day. Yeah. And it was, it was funny because like, you know, I just took it as like, all right, normal, uh, coach beat writer, little, uh, disagreement, but it was the fact that you walked off the dais, I guess made it, made the rounds on social media. I think what Greg Wyshynski from at the time Yahoo retweeted it. So it kind of blew up. So I didn't even think anything of it. I went upstairs to just write my story. And then like an hour later, looked at Twitter. I'm like, whoa, was this thing exploded? So I was, was just probably funny. just finished watching those highlights of all those coaches when they, they do it on sports <laughs> center, the top 10 blow ups of the coaches. And then I just blew up and then there it was. Yeah, and it, 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 you know it's a, it was it was a funny moment between you and I, but it's uh, something mm. funny to look back to. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about this Canucks team. Um, you know how big a Brock Besser fan I am. Uh, I love him personally. Love him as a player. Yeah. Um, thirteen games without a goal before you got there. I think a lot of that it probably has to do with Elias Pettersson getting off to a slow start this year. You know, Besser's the shooter. You need a need the playmaker to play well to get him going. Yeah. Um, but now two games in, Besser's got a couple goals. I'm sure you want him to shoot more as well. Um, but but uh, this really does feel like a potential fresh start for both Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson. I, I think it is. I think, it. you know, with Brock, I mean, the Minnesota tie is you always look for ties when you're talking to your players for the first or second time. And, and um, you know, we've talked a lot about Minnesota and the and, uh, you know, the, the connections and everything. And, um, I, I think it's been a good vibe with me and Brock. And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, uh, I was always pissed off at you because the very first game you played was against Minnesota. You scored two yep. goals. And, uh, uh, cause I remember saying, listen, if we can't beat Vancouver, cause this was in March two, uh, of, yep. the, of the first year. And I said, uh, I said, they got nothing but these young college guys come and play. We should be able to beat these guys and then he goes out and scores two goals and i said i was so pissed at you um but i'm glad i'm on your team now type yep, thing. exactly and mm -hmm. you will love brock a great guy incredible family uh bruce uh just a just a fabulous guy so i, I think you're gonna really enjoy him uh another guy that i think is gonna enjoy you and you're gonna enjoy is getting coach brad hunt again brad immediately when you were hired sent me a text all excited um so <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, what's it like to see him again? Oh, it was good. And, uh, you know, the first thing I did was I went up to him and I said, listen, Hunsey, I never got a chance to talk to you. But uh, on my last game uh, was against the Rangers, as you recall, um, the Panarin shootout goal type thing. I said, the game before you played, 
played a really good game. We beat Vegas four nothing, and I sat you out that game. And I said, I've got, to, uh, I never got a chance to tell you because it was the first time you looked angry at me when I talked to you at the pregame skate. And I said, it wasn't my call. <laughs> I said, I wouldn't do that to you. So, I mean, it's the same thing I'm going to tell Zucker when I see him too. When he went to the fourth line, it wasn't my call. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> I mean, I can tell them now that I'm not there. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. um, uh, yeah, but it was good. It was good to see him. Uh, we had a good talk. He's always positive. And, you know, I mean, uh, he's going to uh, probably make his debut tomorrow with me. Um, awesome. again, I mean, as, uh, as Hamannick went down, uh, as you yeah. saw it last night, I mean, since I've been here, played two games, we lost two of our best defensemen. So, I mean, uh, we'll have to do it by committee again tomorrow. Yeah. I got to tell you, I watched last night's game. Now I watched it on my phone, so it was not exactly yeah. the biggest screen, but Tyler Myers, who I am not the biggest fan of from his days in, in Winnipeg and Buffalo, I thought he was unbelievable for you last night. Um, you know, just look like, uh, you know, in a game where you were shorthanded defenseman. I thought he really was a horse. He was absolutely great. And uh, uh, I thought the same thing. I said all those times that I thought, you know, we could uh, we could um, uh, beat you in Winnipeg and and found your weaknesses that he was. He was a stud. He reminded me, uh, quite frankly, he played 28 minutes. And he never looked tired. So he reminded me like a, a little of Seth Jones um, that was just playing and just kept on going, kept on going, kept putting him out there, and he kept making the right play. So it was really good. Um, I, just watching again last night's game, um, you start Elias Patterson in the shootout, I believe, and and he is somebody that that looks like he's lacking confidence right now. You can see him on the bench after he missed after he didn't score. What what do you think you have to do to get him going? And what has your conversation been like with him? Because obviously, to me, the Canucks can go as far as Elias can take you. Yeah, you know what? I mean, his confidence is is a little low. I've had a couple of meetings, individual meetings with him already. And uh, I think we're both on the same page of everything. And uh, I, I, I do believe that once he gets that first goal, um, then uh, uh, I think he'll be fine. I mean, it's a lot of it is chemistry, and I'm, I'm trying to put the lines together where there's some chemistry, but sometimes the depth of all of it isn't there yet. So, I mean, uh, um, sometimes he gets, uh, uh, you know, he's playing with a young kid and Pod's killing, Pod's or whatever his name is. Pod Colson yep. uh, and um, and Connor Garland and I mean maybe they are not the best fits for him but they're the fits mm -hmm. that he has right now that we've been successful with so we're going to stay that way until it, it's deemed that it, we have to change but uh, uh, you can see he's got the talent I mean I told him and Brock both I said you guys got to shoot man just shoot the yeah. puck shoot the puck and I mean and you shoot the puck 10 times at the net you're going to score at least one goal. And uh, um, uh, both of them are, are try still trying to be too pretty with everything. But I think once they get down to and just realizing what they are and who they are, then um, I, I think they'll, they'll get out of their, their, their droughts. Uh, one horse via Bruce is, is JT Miller. I mean, this guy has had a great start to his season. Um, he's somebody that I know wild fans are clamoring for. Yeah, <laughs> um, they ain't going to get him. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to coach kevin fiala a second time you know no i wouldn't have a problem coaching kevin fiala because at <laughs> the end it was really good 
between me and him. But yep. um, I, I didn't realize how good this JT Miller is, is what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. I mean, uh, he can do it all. And he's, he's got a heart that is very, very competitive. And uh, uh, I find that a really good trait in a player. So, I mean, he can be a little bit, uh, uh, I wouldn't say coarse, but I mean, rough. Uh, but it's only because he wants to win so bad. And uh, I, I never, never hold that against a player ever. Uh, there was a funny question from a Canucks fan. I got to find it, but somebody asked uh, at the end. Let me. I got to find the question. It was about JT Miller and you. Um, the question was something like, who, "Oh, here it goes." Between him and JT Miller, whose swear jar has more money in it by the end of the season? This is from Isaac. Well, so far you can <laughs> tell Isaac that uh, uh, JT has it. If we're only on the referees. <laughs> right now, right now, the referees, because I'm sort of new back into it, have all been sort of nice to me. And I lost yep. my voice after the second game already. You know how yep. in training camp, all the coaches lose their voice. I've, I'm in my training camp lost voice thing. But JT gives it to the referees pretty good. Uh, sometimes he <laughs> lets them know how he feels. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Remember the the bubble a couple of years ago uh, when the Wild were there, Bruce. Uh, the Canucks beat the Wild in four games, and it was JT Miller and Quinn Hughes that just dominated the Wild. So, and, uh, you know, that's yeah. the other thing. I didn't realize how good Quinn Hughes was. I mean, yeah. uh, um, man, he can pass on the tape. He is skating is uh, uh, effortless, um, and you know, I mean. Now that, you know, we're using them killing penalties and, and such, I mean, I think his confidence is growing even more. So uh, he's, a, he's a good player, and I think he's just, he's just going to get better. You just reminded me that word effortless. There's a YouTube video. That, so years ago when the All-Star game was, I think, going to be in Vancouver, the Vancouver Canucks tried to do this thing to get Rory Fitzpatrick into the All-Star game over like, <laughs> over like, you know, the Scott Niedermeyers of the world. And they did this ad campaign where like they would go after Scott Niedermeyer and they quoted me saying that Scott Niedermeyer was effortless. Do you want a defenseman in the All-Star game that's effortless? Vote Rory Fitzpatrick for the All-Star game. You got to look this up on YouTube. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, well, uh, anytime <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that John Scott thing. Oh, yeah. Well, anytime I could get Scott Niedermeyer on my team, I would get him on my team. <laughs> Um, man, yeah, Quinn, he's uh, just absolutely awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about the Scott Walker story the other day, Bruce. Uh, I love the fact that what you said about him, how you just called him up, asked him to be the assistant, and he bought his own plane ticket to Vancouver. Well, it happened so quick. He's about an hour from Toronto. Okay. And uh, uh, when, I when I phoned him and he accepted and uh, we've talked about this actually for a lot of years. I mean, uh, he asked me uh, right after I hired Scott Stevens in Minnesota initially. And I said, well, we got Scott to, to run the, the defense and I'd had John. So he said, but I'm, I'll definitely keep you in mind. And then as, as fortune would have it, he, uh, was on the team Canada roster, um, of coaching with Claude Julian and myself. So when we had the meetings in, um, Ottawa, um, I, I mean, I just watched him doing the penalty kill and his thoughts were exactly like mine. And uh, I thought this would be, he'd be a great, he was a great communicator with the players and he was a, you know, uh, an energy kind of guy. So when, the, when it happened, um, uh, I phoned him up and he said, sure, sure, let's do it. And I, and I said, well, be, be ready to get on the plane at 4.30. And this is 1230 and he's an hour away and he 
and he just had his wife wasn't home and like he didn't uh, uh, he couldn't put it all together uh, and i said okay don't worry about it just come the next morning and he came the next morning um which was great but he, here's a guy that just said yes let's do this and uh, uh and he came on and that's how he was as a hockey player he was all team all the time wow that's pretty that's pretty cool um I want to. I know that we, you and I, have discussed a lot of stories a lot on some of these podcasts. You've probably been a returning champion like six times on these podcasts. But if you wouldn't mind telling Canucks fans, because it happened in Vancouver, your first meeting with Wayne Gretzky. Oh, <laughs> um, well, uh, when I was first coaching Anaheim, um, my first year. I mean, we weren't going to make the playoffs, and their second last game was in Vancouver. The last game was going to be in Calgary. And, um, uh, I, uh, I, I'm in the hotel, I think the Pan Pacific or whatever it's called, uh, out there. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Or yeah. maybe it was, it might've been the Pan Pacific. Yeah, I, fine, and anyway, so, I mean, I phone, I get a call and it's Wayne Gretzky and he says, Hey Bruce, he says, uh, it's me. I'm here with Gord Miller and, um, the secretary to, uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, would you come over for a drink? <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing and I said, uh, I said, Wayne, uh, let me get back to you in five minutes here. Okay. And so I phoned my wife and I says, Hey, Chris, you know, Wayne Gretzky just called me to come over for a drink. Should I go over? And, and she, you think I threw F bombs out? Uh, said, are you an idiot? Like, yes, of course. <laughs> Cause I was worried about having a drink the night before a game. And that was <laughs> the only thing going through my head. So I phoned Wayne back and I says, yeah, I went over there. We had a great night. And, um, so we play in Vancouver the next day and I am just. I'm telling all the guys, uh, you know, hey, I just met Wayne. Gre I just saw Wayne Gretzky, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I mean, it's not like we had any, um, we didn't have any superstars on our team when you've got Timu Solani and uh, Saku Koivu and Getzlaff and Perry and all of these guys. And, and so um, they said, yeah, yeah, ho-hum. You know, we've all done it before. And then after the game, um, I'm, we win the game in Vancouver. And I'm on the, on the plane and I get a text and it says, Hey, Bruce, it's Wayne. He says, had such a good time last night. I'm going to Edmonton. I'll see you in Edmonton. And I, <laughs> and I go, are you kidding me? I didn't look at anything where the, where the number was or anything. And I just went to the back like a little kid and I said, you're not going to believe this guys, but Wayne Gretzky's coming to Edmonton and he's going to go, we're going to go out for dinner tomorrow night. And they all. <laughs> Laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get to the front of the plane, you idiot. And so I go to the front and then I'll get another text and it says, Hey, Bruce, it's Wayne. And I've been thinking, I had such a good time. I asked, I am coming on the plane with you guys tonight. So just hold off for a bit. And I went, Oh my God. And I went to the back of the, 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 <laughs> the plane and all the guys are laughing their butts off. And, and when I come back to tell them and the, because it was Timu, he was t doing all this texting to me and they were laughing, <laughs> making a big joke of it. So Wayne never texted me at all, but I thought it was hilarious as how big a fan I am of his. So it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The fact that you didn't have Timu Solani's number in your own phone. So, uh. <laughs> 
um, it's it's just really funny. I mean, I know how much Wayne lo- loves you. I remember when you first got to Minnesota, I called Gretzky up for this story because Gretzky broke all your records in in juniors. I mean, which is like you know, yes. if you don't know if you're a young Canucks fan, just look up Bruce's junior numbers in in there. And he had such respect for you, and and uh, was such a huge fan of yours growing up too. And so it's got to be absolutely awesome, um, you know, to have that. And I remember when you, I remember when you got to Minnesota too, when Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair wanted to come out to California to meet with you, you actually put them off a day because you were golfing with Wayne Gretzky on a Wednesday and you're like, sorry, I can meet any other day, but this day I'm not giving up this chance and, to and golf with Wayne And that's how good a guy Wayne is. Like when I got let go in, in Anaheim, he phoned me up and he said, listen, you need a break from everything. You've done well. Why don't you put everything on hold, grab somebody and I'll send a car for you. And on Wednesday, you come up and, and sp- Spend the day with me at, at the and Janet at the at the at our golf course, and we'll have a good time. And yeah, so whether it was Minnesota and Ottawa, I said no, I'm not doing anything until I go out golfing with uh, Wayne Gretzky because this uh, that yeah. was more important to me actually than the than the the gig. It's funny, uh, like just thinking. I'm thinking of all these. Like I, I did so many features on you when you were in Minnesota. That, that one of my first, my first ever article actually at the Athletic, just like my first podcast with you, was actually you allowing me into your home in Woodbury to give me a tour of your essentially your museum and your basement, which was pretty awesome. Um, but one of the funniest stories that I ever wrote with you, we sat at the Pacific Rim in the lobby once. Um, and remember you and I just went over movies and I did like Bruce Boudreaux's like movie review. And we just went over like all these different movies that you absolutely loved. And it was just, uh, because you are a movie buff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love talking about movies and, um, I mean, before the pandemic, me and, and Crystal went out like two, three times a week. I mean, we almost matched Kevin Gorg in movie, movie dumb. <laughs> I don't think anybody can match him, but, nope. uh, um, uh, we used to sit and, and just talk about movies and everything to like, it's funny how, when you're talking to somebody, everybody, everything seems to be a movie reference to me and where I've seen it in a movie, whether it's a, a heart warming, uh, emotional scene or a Seinfeldism, one of these things is always comes up. And, uh, as a yep. matter of fact, I can't tell you, but I'm going to be using one, uh, one of those movie themes in my edge tomorrow uh, with the team. So and, and it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny. So I'm going to use it tomorrow. Yeah. For those Vancouver fans that might be listening, Kevin Gorg is the Wilds uh, sideline reporter for uh, Valley Sports North. And actually, you mentioned Seinfeld. One of the little spats you had with Gorg once was at Madison Square Garden. You were you were a little on edge from a loss the night before. It was the second of back-to-back pregame availability. And Gorg starts off his uh, the interview with us, the scrum, by saying, happy Festivus, Bruce. And you didn't even grin. You were <laughs> no, there's so. certain certain things at certain times hit people the, the wrong way, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was not. You were not pleased. Another Vancouver story. Do you remember in 2018 when you guys were at the Pacific Rim and the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night and you didn't go down because you just said, "Well, I didn't smell smoke." It was too many floors. It was in the middle of the night. You know, surely to God, a- surely to God, if the fire was low yep. down low, the firemen would get before the the fire went out yep no doubt you would have been fine no don't worry about that don't you don't have to evacuate a hotel no stay in the room yep we we're talking to the pacific rim one of my great pan pacific stories i was covering the florida panthers bruce and i have never seen rick dudley angrier and he got angry a lot but for some bizarre reason this trip i was actually flying on the team plane 
And we get to the Pan Pacific Hotel, which you know is absolutely gorgeous, right on the water there, right basically yep. by the Pacific yep. Rim, right mm-hmm. next to where the, the press center was for the 2010 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And for some, somehow there was a mishap and I got the GM suite. <laughs> and he was livid. And you know, the G- the suite at the Pan Pacific that the GMs used to get is like, you know, wall to wall windows just over the harbor. Yeah. And somehow the lowly, yeah. yeah, the lowly beat writer got it. It was pretty hilarious. Well, you know what? You talk about Rick Dudley being mad. Um, when he coached the Detroit Vipers and I was coaching the Fort Wayne Comics, we started off 0-6 and they were like 6-0. and And in game seven, um, we beat the Vipers in their building and I couldn't walk past their, their, uh, uh, their bench because Duds was almost ready to kill me because we yeah. beat them. The only reason I didn't do anything, but he was, he was ready to jump the boards and come after me. Never been so scared for winning a game. Yeah. In like 99 or 2000, we're in whole Quebec. And he's the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm covering the Florida Panthers. And coincidentally, he became the Florida Panthers' next GM um, after after, uh, after uh, interim for Chuck Fletcher did interim. And then they brought in Rick Dudley. But so there, it's fight night during this rookie game down in, in Hull, Quebec. And T- Dudley from the press box storms down to the ice, goes down to – I mean, in the middle of action – Opens, swings open the door and stops the game, starts screaming at the referees and pulls the lightning off. So the lightning players start following Dudley off the ice and he beat the crap out of a Coke machine. And as the uh, lightning players are going by in their white uniforms, Coke just spraying out of this Uh machine, hitting every single one of these players. And then next thing I know, Rick Dudley's the GM of the Panthers. And I, that was my, like, I witnessed the whole thing. And I remember being so nervous by him at first. And then he turned out to be the biggest teddy bear in the world. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's made, uh, we've had some conversations and, and, uh, uh, they very, they, they've stayed with me. Um, so it's, a, he is, he is a great guy in a hockey mind. And you know what? The first time I saw him live, I went to the, I was lucky enough to, Alan Eagleson brought me to the finals of the Fog Bowl when they mm. were playing the Flyers, uh, for the Stanley Cup and to see Dudley with no helmet on and his hair, like in a big yep. afro running around like a chicken with his head cut off was, uh, was, was, was a sight that you'll never, uh, never miss if you had seen it. Yep. Not, not only was Dudley a great professional in both the WHA and the NHL, but he was like a famous Canadian box lacrosse player too. Uh, yeah. Just a, yep. Just a heck of a player. Hey, uh, Bruce, I know you, you, you know, you're busy. So I just, I want to throw some Twitter questions at you and then I'll let you go on your, your way and prepare for tomorrow's game. Uh, but Fetty Dean asks, uh, how much do you miss interviews, pressers and podcasts with Russo? Uh, quite a bit, a lot or enormous? Uh, quite a lot, actually. I mean, uh, I miss, I miss, the uh, I miss talking hockey with people, and that's one of the things that I really love doing, especially the morning presser of the day of a game, yeah. I, which is a little lighter than than the day uh, the end one. So I mean, uh, but I miss them a lot, and that's one of the things when I first started doing this, got in this job, uh, I, I told my wife how much I miss talking uh, hockey to people. Yep, that's why beat writers love you, absolutely. And you got some great beat writers in Vancouver. You know, first of all, Harmon Dale and uh, Thomas Trans from The Athletic, you will absolutely love. Just a great, great guy. Got great guys, but like you know, guys like Ben Kuzma and Ian McIntyre, um, you're going to have a blast there with these guys. Oh, well, I hope so. I hope it's all positive. <laughs> sure, I'm sure there'll be some tense times. <laughs> I'm sure there uh, will. <laughs> um, 
Let's see. Uh, let me. Uh, Tanner Worth says, "Who are some players that you've coached uh, that you see can one day become an assistant or even a head coach?" Oh, it's a good question. I'd have to put some thought into it, but um, uh, I can't think off the top of my head. But there was a. There's been an awful lot. Like I think Ryan Getzlaff can be what he wants to be. I don't think he'll want to be a coach, but I think he'll want to be a GM. Um, I think Jared Spurgeon would always be a good coach. He's so cerebral uh, all the time. Uh, I think he would be a, a good coach at one point in, in when his career is, is done. And I mean, uh, all usually the, the best coaches are guys that um, uh, don't play a lot and think the game a little bit. And, and uh, like the, there's been so many, if I went home and, and looked at my rosters and then I'd, I'd be able to think it, but I, I do think Spurge, if he wants to be a coach, it could be a really good coach. I, I wrote the other day, one guy I think could be a coach is Marcus Foligno. I just love yeah, the way he, yeah, you know, the and, way he talks about even Jordan Greenway. Sometimes you just, you know, he diagnoses him really, really perfectly. And his passion is, is out there. I mean, yep. uh, he, he can't hide that passion and, and that makes, uh, that makes it really well, really good for uh, players. Love that. A couple more questions for you, Bruce. Uh, Thomas asked your favorite movie of 2021. Um, uh, yeah, see, I haven't even seen any movies because of the <laughs> pandemic. Uh, I've, uh, uh, what have I watched? I, uh, friggin' I'm a Chicago PD. I watch it 20 times a day. It's on all the time. Um, uh, you know, like, uh, Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Chicago Fire. Yeah. Those are the shows that, that I've seen. Um, uh, the Netflix series that is coming out. I'm trying to think. I've seen, uh, once my son told me about it, I watched all three series, uh, all 10 episodes at least three times each. And it it's just escapes me right now, but it was, it was great. <laughs> I love those uh those untold Netflix stories, the one on the 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 team up in Connecticut that Mike Rupp is on. Oh have you watched that one? Yeah. Yes, I saw him. And well I worked with Mike Rupp and we sat down yeah. one day and I asked him all about it. And all he could do was laugh. You yeah. know, Ozark is the is the Netflix oh, yeah. yep. show that I watch all yep. the time. Mike, yeah. Yep. Yep. So Jason Bateman. Um mm. but but you know what? when you talk to movies, we started to go to movies, but the only movies that were on were really bad. And yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen too many good ones uh, since, you know, since the theaters uh, sort of, they were sending out all their old garbage um, because nobody was going to them anyway. And so we went and saw them and we didn't see too many good ones. This is a good one. Uh, you were a huge wrestling fan. Who's yes. your favorite wrestler? This is from Kevin KG. Owens. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Yes. I mean, me and Jackie Redman from the NHL Network. We go back and forth and talk about him all the time because she does streaming interviews with all the wrestlers on Monday Night Raw. A <laughs> uh, lot of questions from Canucks fans. Uh, favorite uh, memory of being in Slapshot? Um, the favorite memory would probably be uh, watching the dailies one night with uh, George Roy Hill and Paul Newman. The dailies being of what was shot that day and Paul Newman saying he thought Slapshot would be a really big movie. Wow. And if uh, people don't know, Paul Newman's uh, apartment in Slapshot was actually your apartment. Yeah, it was. And I mean, the quick story behind that is 
the director came into the dressing room one day and said, listen, we need a scene in an apartment uh, right now. Who's got the sloppiest, messiest, dirtiest looking apartment? And everybody stood up and pointed to me, which wasn't really flattering at the time, <laughs> but uh, um, it, it probably was. I was 21 years old, first time living on my own. Wasn't very good at cleaning. Yeah. Um Here's a good one from Isaac. Um, how, uh, seeing how successful you've been, um, who was your coaching role model and shaped your approach when it comes to the game? Well, I, I think that it's a really, it's a combination. I mean, have some really good coaches that have done um, it. starts with, um, uh, there's a man that I, that coached me when I was playing when I was 15, 16 and Bill White. And he was, he taught me all about the game. Then George Armstrong told me uh, taught me all about how to uh, love your players and that get the players to want to play so hard for you that they wouldn't lose then I met Roger Nielsen and he taught me all about the details and video of the game and then I can even go and, and when then you go to the minors so long and you come back and Andy Murray uh, he was so well prepared every night I mean you take the best of these characters and qualities and there are others in there that uh, I think and, and then you use your own personality and then you hope that it works um, looking back at your wild time, uh, Bruce, uh, obviously, you know, I, I sat with, down with you and Crystal two days after you were let go at, at my country club for that big story. Um, but now when you, ha you know, have a year and a half to really dissect uh, how it all went down um, and you look at that wild team, you know, anything that you would have done different? I know how blindsided you were, but, uh, you know, that was a weird dynamic, the whole all the veterans that you had there and, and that type of stuff. Um, you know, when you look back at your time there. Well, you know, my time, I loved it uh, there. I loved the people there. I loved uh, living there, um, which is probably why I was so upset uh, when it when it happened, because uh, um, I thought we were doing at the time as good as we could do. If you think about it, we started out one, seven and two. And at the time of the firing, we were, we were 27, three and and whatever. And so, I mean, that turnaround was putting us actually in the top 10 teams from game 10 on and um uh we were just going on a father-son trip and i had arranged for my kid to come with me and and everything and we had just gone through the toughest part of the schedule and now we were playing san jose twice columbus i remember detroit edmonton vancouver so we had a real good chance to gain uh, uh to gain steam and so that was sort of what caught me as the blind side but um uh, what I would have done different, I, you know, I, I don't know. We didn't have um, the players in the stable that they do now. In other words, uh, we didn't have even the, the, the Rossies or the Boldies that we could call up. And, and or the we had Nico Sturm who had played a few games who I really liked. But, um, you know, when you have guys on one ways, you can't really uh, interchange them that well. And I mean, our guys were getting old. Our best players were getting old. And uh, uh, I would have loved to have been able to maybe do something with Zach and Stahl and, and Miko. But I mean, there was nothing we could do. And uh, um, but if I had done any, I, I don't know if I would have done anything different. Mm -hmm. I, re I really don't. I think uh, we were playing to the maximum of our ability. Um, uh, I would have liked to have two games back. One, when Florida scored with... Um, one second to go or five seconds to go to beat a six, five. And I would have liked to have that last game back 
in uh, against the Rangers. Um, because I think if we had won both those games, that that the, it wouldn't have uh, it would have happened, but it would have wait, waited till the end of the year. When you look at the uh, at this team now, Bruce, uh, you know they're obviously they're leading the Western Conference. Kaprizov's on fire, but a lot of guys have played well for you. The depth uh, that they have right now: Ryan Hartman, Marcus Foligno, Yul Eriksson-Ek are just been absolutely superb this year. I think thirty four combined goals, which is just pretty crazy. Um, what do you think of this Wild team? Uh, you know, it is a shame you never got to coach Kaprizov. Yeah, no, I think the Wild team is great. I I, I love the pace they play at. Um, uh, and, uh, I love the way when you've seen, uh, Eric Sinek come from the young man that he was to the player he is now. I mean, I think he, I think he's doing fabulous. Uh, uh, I, you know, also like, um, the one mistake, uh, you know, and you didn't know because you have to, had to play the older guys, uh, at that time is how good Ryan Hartman is. Like, I mean, when he was signed, he was signed as a fourth line right winger that had just gone through Philly and, and just gone through Nashville. And, uh, but to look at him play center now and his vision and the, where he goes and where the puck follows him, I think it's amazing. But, uh, Kaprizov is the real deal. And you would have always liked to have uh, been able to, there was so much talk from the moment I got there that, uh, about him and it would have liked to have been able to coach him. But, uh, um, I think they're going to be a tough team to beat because every time you, you think that, uh, uh you've got them and oh they're going to play somebody else then. And, uh, like Edmonton, for example, they go in and beat them four to one and then Talbot makes 20 saves in a period. I mean, uh, uh, those are difficult combinations to beat, and they're on this streak, and they're doing it without the, their number one defenseman and their captain. So, I mean, I think uh, uh, they believe. I think they're they're a team that's um, that's well coached, and uh, I just I just think that they're gonna they're gonna have a say this year in, in who wins in the West. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, three final questions for you, uh, quickies, uh, Bruce. Uh, Jeremy asks, uh, what will you miss about NHL Network and uh, and what did you learn while there? Because I'll tell you, I think a lot of us that, that are big uh, NHL Network fans are going to miss seeing you on there. Well, what I miss for sure are the people. I, I really got to be really good friends with EJ Raddick and Tony Luffman and um, Jameson Coyle and, and Jamie Hirsch and Jackie Redman uh, as, as the, the, the mainstays uh, liked them an awful lot. And all the guests, guest hosts or the, you know, from Stu Grimson to Dave Reed um, and, and to all of the guys that I, Brian Lawton, that I, I got to work with become really good friends. And, uh, uh, I thought we were a really good team together. So I'm going to, I'm going to miss that, uh, uh, rapport with those guys. No doubt. I, I screamed at you about two months ago when I found out that you uh, were staying at the residence in there for two years and didn't give them a Marriott number because you could take, you could take uh, crystal on all these great vacations and you missed out on that. Tell me right now you're using a Marriott number at your hotel. I am. And ever since you <laughs> told me that they even backtracked it. So I would, wow. got all of those things. So I think I'm a super platinum uh, manifesto nice. now or something. So it's all good. <laughs> That's awesome. Titanium for life. Hopefully uh, two more quickies here. Uh, March 24th. Me. I know March 24th and April 21st. Um, those are the games that Vancouver plays in Minnesota. Uh, Nick wants to know what kind of reaction do you expect from the fans and what will that be like for you? 
Well, I, that's oh, we do play Minnesota this year. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, two more times. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know what the reaction is going to be like. Um, uh, I hope they, you know, I mean, I really hope that the, the people liked me there when I was coaching there. Um, but I know it's going to be a business, a, a business game. And uh, uh, I look forward to meeting all my old friends in Minnesota. Like, I mean, there's so many people from uh, the reporters to the people that just, you know, handed out popcorn that I got to know uh, yeah. I, I, that uh, I really look forward to, to seeing. So, I mean, it's um, I'm looking forward to the game and uh, I just I know what I hope the outcome is. Yep. Yep. Oh, well, April, uh, March 24th is a second of back to back for you, but uh, April 21st is not. You have an off night on April 20th. I'm definitely making a uh, reservation right now at the Lake Elmo Inn. Perfect. I, lo I love it there. I'll be there <laughs> with you. Um, final question, and you're going to like this one. Uh, uh, Dan asks, um, how do you keep such a positive attitude and endless passion for coaching in the NHL after some of the heartbreaking breakups that you've had in Washington, Anaheim, and Minnesota? I mean, it's part of the business, right? Yeah, you know, it, it you're hurts. hired to be fired. Yeah, I, I mean, it hurts. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, you got to move on. Um, uh, you know, you you get to choose your life, what what kind of life you want in in the way. Do you want to be happier? Do you want to be angry your whole life? And I chose to, you know, uh, to be positive and thinking that there's always going to be something good around the corner. When I got let go in, in Minnesota, it would have been very easy to sit there and, and get grumpy and negative about the game. But my belief was that I was would always be back. And uh, even though it took a little longer than I would like liked it to have been, I mean, uh, I'm lucky enough to have this job now. So, I, I mean, but I think if you, it's like telling the players at the start of this thing that if you don't believe, it'll never happen. But if you believe it, it can come true. Yeah, I, I as I've told you for a long time, I thought you'd be right out of the bullpen at some point. And, uh, you know, just really excited for you, Bruce. Uh, I think you're going to do a great job there in Vancouver. I actually like the team a lot. I thought when the Wild went up to Vancouver um, about a month ago, and I think the Canucks lost 3-2, I thought it was one of the best games uh, that I've seen all season long. I mean, it was a hard, intense game. The Canucks worked really hard, could have easily had won that game. And uh, I think you got a heck of a roster to coach. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really every day I wake up, I'm I'm pumped up about going to work. So uh, it's uh, so far it's been fun. I know there's going to be a couple uh, couple times when you go, I don't want to face the music, <laughs> but you got to face the music. So we'll see how it all works out. Yep, a lot larger uh, media contingent there in Vancouver than in Minnesota, but uh, but uh, you'll have fun and. Yeah, Bruce, uh, I'm recording this podcast from San Jose, literally right next door to the Zoom H headquarters. So, uh, so far, the Zoom worked out perfectly. So, uh, mm -hmm. maybe it's because I'm so close. So, <laughs> I hope it is. Whatever the reason, where there was no interruption. Yeah, exactly. I think Jeff, though, our producer, is going to probably have a little work to do. But, uh, hey, uh, Bruce, really appreciate it. Lots of luck tomorrow night. Uh, 2-0 and right now in your uh, Canucks uh, tenure. Really, uh, really happy for you. I appreciate it, Mike, and look forward to seeing you soon. And I hope you have a good plane ride home. Yeah, I know. I, I almost came and visited you yesterday, play the Bruins. I got stuck in Vancouver for several hours. But, uh, hey, uh, thanks a lot, Bruce. And uh, that is uh, Bruce Boudreaux. And here's a word from one of our sponsors.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So thanks to Bruce Boudreaux for joining us straight from the source. As always, really appreciate the time that Bruce uh, gives to this podcast and to myself. Um, always accessible. And uh, in fact, the first ever Straight from the Source podcast happened in his basement in Woodbury, Minnesota, um, a couple years ago as well. So uh, he's a, been a returning champion of this podcast, probably been on 20 times, it feels like. So thanks for him. Uh, I can only imagine how tough and and uh, busy he is right now, parachuting into Vancouver, having to get his life in order, not a, an, as well as learning a new team. So just really, really cool that Bruce uh, made the time just a couple days into his tenure there to join us. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, but I'll tell you what, his old team continues to play well. Uh, the Wild, as you know, play the Sharks tonight. Then they go and they complete the road trip in Los Angeles on Saturday night and in Vegas on Sunday night. Uh, the L.A. game will be interesting because the Wild, um, they're not practicing on Friday and they're not having a morning skate Saturday because the Clippers game. So that'll be sort of a day and a half of them not on the ice. And that usually means for some interesting first couple minutes of a game like that. Then they end in Vegas on Sunday and Freddie Goudreau should be joining the team, I would think, for that game, not the L.A. game. That would be my guess because he gets tested Thursday. And as long as he's negative, uh, then he will be allowed to practice uh, skate Friday and Saturday. But with the team not skating Friday and Saturday, it makes sense for him to just stay home and join the team in Vegas on Sunday. And then they'd probably, as long as there's no injuries the next couple games, send Mason Shaw back to um, Iowa. Then the Wild return home and play two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference on a three-game homestand. Bookends, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Um, and they are bet- uh, sandwiching the Buffalo Sabres, who, uh, who's right in between there. Um, the Wild usually play well against the Sabres. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch them play Carolina and Florida at home. Then they go to Dallas for a one-off. And then before the holiday break, they end against uh, the Detroit Red Wings. And they'll take uh, a mandatory three days off. They can't practice, can't skate the morning of December 27th. Then they'll get on a plane, go to Winnipeg, and have a morning skate there and uh, re embark the schedule before an awesome winter classic on january 1st at target field um i'll be telling you a lot more about the uh about the winter classic here in the next uh, couple weeks as well on the podcast and we got some really cool podcasts lined up for the winter classic as well as you know podcasts galore throughout our platform the athletic hockey show publishes four times a week on monday ian mendez and, and haley salvin and recap the weekend that was in the nhl and they welcome charlie o'connor from the athletic philadelphia as the flyers made that coaching change bringing in mike yo on an interim basis 
and firing Elaine Vigneault and Michelle Therrien. On Tuesday, Dylan Larkin, the captain of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, who will be in Minnesota later this month, joins join Sean Chantilly and guest host Max Boltman, our athletic Detroit writer, uh, Red Wings writer. Uh, so that, I guarantee, was a great show. I'll have to listen to that. On Wednesday, they had a roundtable with Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports and Sarah Sivian and Jesse Granger from The Athletic. And they welcomed Shana Goldman, our new Devil's Beat writer, to the show. And Shana is going to be doing a lot of collaborations at The Athletic. As you know, you've read or write a bunch of analytic pieces before in the wild. And she's got one in the works right now on Ryan Hartman. So that'll be really, really cool. And then Thursday, Ian Mendez and Down Goes Brown uh, get you set for another busy weekend for the action of the NHL. Thanks for listening to Straight from the Source. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and don't forget to leave a rating and review. Subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. This week, it's The Athletic Hockey Show's Wednesday Roundtable who ride extended bonus content. Uh, start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week.